What's good, sports fans? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Q&A podcast. I'm Q. And I'm A. And we're in the building again. Episode four. And four is a special number to me. Uh, many reasons. Uh, Joe Dumars, my line number. Just great things in life. But Q, how are you doing over there? Man, how's the weather in the Big D? Right now, it's rainy and cold, so I guess it's not too much different than the up north. It's just we don't have the snow yet, so I guess I'm happy about that part. Well, here's the question. Define cold. So, you know, once you've gone south. (laughs) Let me look. Uh, Right? Well, yeah, 46 degrees. That's not cold because that's that's no matter what your high was today. (laughs) I think we got up to 32. Or 33. So that's not cold. You, ladies and gentlemen, Q has been southernized. Hey, I will admit it. I will take it. Hey, once I got to Florida, it was a wrap. 80 degree Christmas days, I was never the same. Yeah, I can tell. And But to me, the, the thing is, the odd thing about it, about being cold, the coldness does not bother me. Uh, it's not like I'm out there standing out there waiting on the iron pimp. Which we right. But uh, in the D, but uh, it doesn't bother me that much. Now, it, it's really bad when it's a lot of snow and it's cold. Um, but it being blistering cold with winds and that is to me worse than being snowy and everything else. But like right now, it's 20 degrees in the morning, probably when I go to work, and I'm good, <laughs> good and chilly. But you know, it's you a, take it, <laughs> I take it. I take it. I'm I'm a, I'm a winner, baby. I was born in a blizzard. Almost got born in the car due to to the to the uh, conditions outside. But um, my tolerance for cold is a little bit less than when I was uh, younger. But uh, I'll take it over being blistering hot. Like you know, can't play baseball games a day during summertime because it's too damn hot. Oh, of course. That's why I still have yet to go see the Texas Rangers play. Because that stadium during the spring and the summer is still unbearably hot. I'm talking about heat index in the hundreds. So I'm I'm good on that. Yeah, I'm good on that too. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's some people that are good on the college football playoff committee because they feel that they got it wrong. <clears throat> Been sleeping under a rock and you missed the announcement. The pre-show, the uninterrupted hour show afterwards to talk to all the coaches and everything else. The final four for the college 2018 college football playoffs are number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, number three, Notre Dame, and number four, University of Oklahoma. Q. It's a simple Yes, sir. It's a simple question. It will not be a simple answer. Did the committee get it? Right. Simply put, in my eyes, yes. Why? This was in in the best way of getting, I think, the four most deserving teams. And I, I use that phrase judiciously because some people will say, oh, the four best teams. Best is argumentative because some people thought Georgia was one of the four best teams, but them not winning the SEC 
or not being the conference champion kind of knocked them down. Plus, they had two losses, and we've never seen a two-loss team make the playoffs. That put Oklahoma, once they avenged their loss against Texas, that put them in the catbird seat. Okay. Well, see, for me, best is uh, up for discussion. And it depends on what your definition of best is. Because I'm on the belief that Georgia was one of the top four teams. I'm also of the belief, and this has no bias involved in it, Notre Dame not necessarily is one of the top four teams. Um, hmm. And I'm going to state my argument for this because Notre Dame's signature wins are against Michigan and Syracuse. Now, if you hear – I heard other pundits talk about Notre Dame's win over TCU. TCU was trash. Damn. TCU. Not TCU. TCU is uh, Ohio State. Oh, yeah. They were trash anyway. Sorry, TCU. You just got trash in the incorrect information. But Stanford, USC, Northwestern. Northwestern, even though they won their side of the Big Ten, they're trash as opposed to whatever it is. The thing with me with Notre Dame, Notre Dame, they may good well win it all. But at this point in time, they do not have the profile or the portfolio of a team other than the fact of them going undefeated. I mean, to me, other than the name of Notre Dame, they are maybe a tick or two above UCF. Now, mind you, UCF has lost their quarterback. They played a great emotional game coming back, being down by 16 points, I think, to Memphis. 19 yes. Um, But the thing is, is that it's, it's the combination that people – Act like they don't play a part in the history of, or or, or the uh, the history of teams or schools that play a part of it. Because if Notre Dame was, uh, let's say Army, and had this, that's not fair. You can't go that far. What? If this was because real talk, uh-huh. if this was Washington State with that same schedule, Washington State would be in there. But Washington State would have won a conference championship. So that's okay. BYU, no BYU. If BYU played USC, Northwestern, the equivalent type teams, beat a top ranked Michigan team, I, I seriously think they would have been in. No way. No, no way. They would have been on the outside looking in. They they would have been at number five. I'm, I just think, based on the schedule, and this is where it separates UCF from Notre Dame, UCF didn't play the teams. Now, if UCF plays – if you, I, I, I seriously think if UCF would have played uh, instead of – they would have had – if they would have been able to get Stanford on the schedule this year and UNC on the schedule this year and played them and went undefeated, in addition to beating Pitt, in addition to beating Memphis twice, I think they have a stronger case than what they've had the past couple of years. And that's what I, I, I look at with Notre Dame. Despite, yes, I, I get the, the name cachet, the name reputation, but they still play 
the teams that were they still play a bunch of power five schools, whereas UCF play a bunch of group or six schools. And that's what knocked them down. Well, but I mean, the thing is, Notre Dame, if you if I was the ACC and I had my random pick of teams to play. Look at the teams that they played in the ACC. They're- but under normal circumstances, Florida State is usually good. But they-, they can't knock. UC- USC is normally good. They can't knock the fact that USC, Stanford, Florida State all suck this year. So are you playing the team, uh, the, the current team, or you're playing the name? Both. We know we are. But you- same reason. The same reason why... People looked at when if we're gonna if we're gonna call a thing a thing and be real, the same reason why during that revenge tour everybody got hyped because Michigan beat Michigan State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. And we know for damn sure this wasn't a traditional Michigan State's team. And we saw later on in the season, Wisconsin wasn't the team that they were supposed to be. But that didn't knock Michigan down. But it, it, it didn't knock them down, but at the time that they played. They, they hadn't been exposed. Now, granted, it wasn't the traditional Wisconsin team at all. Michigan State, I beg to differ. Historically, it was the traditional Michigan State team. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not – see, I'm going to give them the credit. Under D'Antonio, that was not a – other than that 3-9 and nine team, that wasn't the team that we normally face, that Michigan normally faces in Michigan State. Yeah. And you know it. Recent history, I'll give you that. Not recent history, but I'm just saying. But – that that's true, but they still it's it's a different aspect because the thing is is that you look at, at Notre Dame and the teams that they were impressive against were unimpressive. I mean they almost lost the pit. They should have lost the pit, but Pitt gave that one away. And, and I mean it to me, I I'm not saying I mean they, they they're in. So my opinion is neither here nor there. My thing is that uh, the cachet of the team and the history of the team and of the program helped to boost them. Because when you compare them, yeah, they have a, they switch quarterbacks and do that, but what does Notre Dame do that's outstanding? They, Their defense. That's arguably. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's arguably. I, I'm, I'm going to pull it up while you say I'm going to pull up and see where Notre Dame's defense ranks because the thing is, in Notre Dame is the the most. Uh, I'm gonna look at that uh, defensive ranking. Uh, okay, and, and I'm looking at this schedule compared with. Now you're saying they didn't. So who is your? If you're saying Notre Dame didn't deserve it, who would you have put in the top four then? Georgia. Who? Georgia. Why? When you here's the thing, I'm not the committee, so the eye test plays a huge part of it as well. I've seen, I saw at least five Georgia games. I saw uh, at least four and a half Notre Dame games. The the eye test when you're looking at, and you can't separate the two. No matter what the, the committee says, you can't separate that I'm looking at this and I'm also looking at matchups. And I'm also looking at the, the the measuring stick, the benchmark, which is Alabama. That that plays a part. You can lie all day and say that we didn't play a part. You want to get the four best teams. 
you wanted it to be teams that compete against each other that can win. Granted, when Michigan was number four, they had no shot against Alabama. But we don't know that. And that's the thing. I, and I mentioned this. I put this on Twitter. Everybody is looking at that that Georgia-Alabama game and seeing how they control that game and saying, oh, see, that they, they are one of the four best teams. Maybe, just maybe, we're overhyping Alabama. This is the thing. They haven't, up until Georgia, name a team that Alabama, a, a complete team that Alabama has faced. They haven't. So maybe this is just the year that Alabama has kind of what, what you're saying about Notre Dame, has slid through based on name, reputation, but they haven't been tested. But we find them in a game where they were tested and they show their true colors. Now, what happens? Now, Oklahoma may not have the defense that everybody thinks they do, but what happens when they're faced up against the offense that can put up points? Because I go back to that LSU game. For a half, LSU was giving them fits. They just had – they were just – they just took too many punches. LSU had zero push offensively. And and looking at this schedule, Louisville listless this year. Arkansas State, Mississippi State, maybe Texas A&M. And we both watched that Texas A&M LSU game, and it was like, yeah. And LSU looked bad in that game. And that, that was a team that gave Alabama fits. Arkansas, no. Missouri, no. Tennessee, no. Mississippi State, 24 to 0. We saw that game. And truthfully, Mississippi State couldn't move the ball really. So they have yet to face a team all season that's complete until they face Georgia. Now, all of a sudden, we want to bump up Georgia, who got embarrassed by LSU because, oh, they play Alabama tough. Well, maybe, just maybe, Alabama isn't as tough as we thought they were. Maybe, just maybe. Notre Dame is ranked number 21st defensively uh, in total defense. And that's, I mean, that's pretty good. And, and when you look at the comp, the, the Ian Book, who has the, who leads the nation in completion percentage and has a, a, a very good running game that we avoided in Michigan that first game with uh, Williams, they have what the, the blueprint of a, a, a team that can play solid defense and ball control. So, I mean, I think them being faced again, put up against Clemson may be a bad matchup, but then even then with them, you look at Clemson. Who has Clemson played this year? Other than that game against Syracuse, and we saw what Syracuse, what happened with Syracuse against Notre Dame. So who has Syracuse beat? The I mean, if you want to get technical, other than Oklahoma, and even then, their games was kind of, yeah, who have any of the top three teams really faced this year? Notre Dame faced Michigan. Yep. Uh, Clemson played – I'm looking at their schedule now. Um, Nobody. Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah, that was their only ranked team. No, Texas A&M. And you saw who 
at the beginning of the season when they were still getting used to Jimbo Fisher and they took them to the wire. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely – that was definitely a good game. Um, yeah. But, I mean, again, I mean, I'm looking at this team. The team Out of the four teams, the team that I've seen the, le- the least is Clemson. Um, and Clemson, with their quote-unquote story defense, the best defensive line, I, in the games that I saw, they did not look as impressive. But, again, they you know, their defense is a top-ten defense. Yeah. Again, and, and this numbers are the numbers because Michigan was number one, and they were still number one even after the <laughs> that um, debacle. Right, but I mean they were so far ahead in number one that a game giving up almost four hundred yards passing, it still didn't hurt them. But uh, I, again, I to me the eye test weighs a, a, a part in the win and loss. To me, I think the conference championship weighs more hev- uh, heavier with me. Um, because right now Notre Dame is pimping the NCAA, they're pimping the ACC, mm-hmm. too. The second time being in championship, not being in the last ten years. With I mean, but that's a whole different conversation. And if you want to put them in the sense where oh, you want to knock them down a little bit because of that, I can see it. But if you're going to sit there and try to tell me Notre Dame. Got in strictly based on name. Well, so did Clemson this year. Because if you look at Clemson, but my they my qualifier is the dang on um the dang on conference championship. So the thing. So how can how can you put Georgia in? If hold on, hold on. my qualifier for for Notre Dame, my thing is the the the, the it, it has to be a. Uh, it has to be an added added value and a negative value if someone wins it and someone doesn't. For me, Georgia, I'm just saying Georgia, uh, how I've seen Georgia play, that that aspect would knock Georgia down some. I think it's still at that same point. It's very hard to say, uh, to, to defend or uh, to argue that, hey, this two-loss team is better than an undefeated team. But, it, it, I mean, my thing is that if you're going to, if, if everybody played down teams, then why can't UCF get in? Because they played down teams too. Let them prove it. Yeah. yeah. True. I think, and this is the, the committee's bias, their down team is the bottom of the barrel, whereas you figure uh, still a down Florida State, a down uh, Texas A&M is still tough. They may get you. They may still be talented enough but playing a, a two lane playing a uh Houston team without their starting quarterback is a little bit less so I mean it's it's hard and I guess I gotta ask you this before I, it might be time for us to move on if you can put noted uh Georgia up there based and this is based on the eye test the recent eye test then how why not Ohio State then well, because to me, the, the, the eye test for Ohio State was one game. Their, their season has been roller coaster as far as what team is going to show up. The Northwestern game, the quality of opponent Northwestern is just a tough team. But at the end of the day, they didn't have anything that they could bring other than their toughness and their, and their desire to want to win. 
that would impress impress upon me that no, that Ohio State did something to them. Now, if if it was reversed and the final score from Michigan game was flipped with Northwestern, then maybe I could say they were dominant. But they weren't. They were a better team going in. So the thing is, with Michigan, the Michigan game, it was in question if they were the better team. They were underdogs. Michigan was ranked higher than they were. So it was the clear thought process was that Michigan was the better team. Not so fast, but yeah. But uh, that's the thing is that Notre Dame. I mean, no question. What was a four loss team at the time or three? Four. Yeah, so that's the thing. You playing against a four loss team. There was no way, and I said it in. The, uh, I don't know if it was. I said it on Instagram and in, in story uh, that uh, there's no score that Ohio State could beat Northwestern by to have them jump. And you said sixty. I said there was no score because of, <laughs> because 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 the, the the quality of the the opponent was not equal. Texas had beat Oklahoma. Texas was ranked higher than 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 Northwestern. So there was no way that that it, it, it was not equal, and so yeah. and it, even in and, and it, it surprised me because we both had it that, that committee had Georgia ranked higher than Ohio State. I mean, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, and, and that's the interesting thing because when everything when all hell broke loose, and I had a conversation with an Ohio State fan on Twitter, and he was, oh, Oklahoma don't deserve this, Oklahoma don't deserve this. And I told you, I just let him rant because I couldn't even bring myself to even tell him, like, okay, damn, Oklahoma, you guys still weren't ahead of Georgia. You still wouldn't have got in. If Oklahoma wasn't there, you still wouldn't have got in. Georgia would have took you. So it's – and I think that would have caused – a conniption fit in Columbus. If they would have, if they would have allowed a two-loss Georgia team that did not win the conference championship to still be ahead of a conference champion, Ohio State. Oh boy! And I think that's why, at when it was all said and done, I think the the committee was just like, screw it, it don't matter because we got the four right teams, so to speak. So we just gonna put Georgia here. Because nobody's paying attention. Whereas if that would have just been, if that would have been a matter of four and five instead of five and six, they'd still be, they would be burning couches in, in Columbus right now. And I'll be laughing at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably agree with it. <laughs> I would probably have a chuckle at, at, at some Buckeyes expense myself. But um, that speaks volumes, I think, with them putting Georgia in front of it. And that's when they lie and say the eye test does not play a part, that played a huge part. Because a lot of people in the country feel that Georgia is the only team that can get Alabama to run for the money. Granted, because a lot of people feel that Georgia had that game won and some costly errors from coaching staff cost them the game. So, so I mean, but we can, we can play that every day of the week. And what's to say – you put in, you play that game again because we've heard this that story. Oh, you play this game ten times. How many times does Georgia win? How many times does Alabama win? I think, given the given saving a month 
to game plan against Georgia, man, they smoked them boys. I mean, after 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 losing that game, I mean, winning that game, how they did. But if it, I mean, and I wouldn't even necessarily say that because the thing is, yeah, Alabama didn't play their best game, but Alabama can talk that. That's just like somebody getting off against you and you get the win at the end of the game and be like, well, we, we didn't play our best game. We didn't do this. No, they had something to do with it. You know, how much? We don't know because nobody Alabama struggled like this. I dare somebody to say against Citadel in the first half. So you, we didn't see Alabama struggle like that or have to battle. And a lot of people, I mean, it's like with Alabama, yeah, it's becoming mundane with them winning all the time. And some people are bored of that, so they root against them. It's like any other sport. They root against the Cowboys, root against the Yankees. Um, the, the, team that, the, the teams that win and have the best fortune, people want to root against them. Uh, yeah, I want other people to be able to do it, but right now, Saban got his show going on. And, and, yeah. and he and he got a little system and he's doing his thing. It, it's it's quite reminiscent of how a, a, a coach, soon to be a former coach, is going uh, had his thing going at at, at his last two stops. Speaking of uh, Urban Meyer himself, uh, former SEC coach, announced that due to health for the second time he's going to retire after the Rose Bowl. My only question. What will be Urban Meyer's? The easily the second greatest coach of this of his era. I mean, behind behind Saban, there's no one that's been a better recruiter, a better on field coach. And it's like it sucks. Well, I ain't gonna say it sucks. I mean, he's been Meyer. Only his biggest knock is his off the field issues. Whether it's the the alleged co-ed stuff in the arrest down in Florida, the whole thing with Zach Smith and some of the the, the innuendo up at Ohio State. I mean, because he he was he kept his nose and his program pretty much clean as far as the players in Ohio State compared to Ohio, uh, Florida. That second after they won that that second title, it was like the the inmates was running an asylum down in Florida. And if there have been plenty of articles where they, the players, they said it. The freshmen came in, them high, t- highly talented freshmen, and they were like, "We run this mug. I don't care about you seniors. I don't care about you upperclassmen. They brought us in to continue this path, and we gonna do this. If y'all don't get on board, that's on y'all. But we gonna do this. And it kind of set a bad, set the the program in a bad direction to where they're still trying to swim up out of that." Whereas Ohio State, I think he learned from his mistake and was able to kind of still recruit that high-level guy, but found guys that bought into the system that nece- that weren't always necessarily the highly recruited, but they fit. They were urban guys. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens beyond this because I'm not so on day. I mean, yeah, he was a good coach for three days. I mean, for three games. But remember, they struggled in that TCU game. If not for a couple of questionable calls uh, and a couple of bad plays, TCU was in control for the first half of that game. True. And what happens in crunch time against Michigan State when you need that end game or that decision? Or what happens – and and this is what I brought up on social media. It's like, 
even if he is a great coach, can he handle the off the field stuff? Being the 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 program politician, is he the guy that can handle the handshakes and dealing with the the meeting with the booster, dealing with the 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 irate boosters if something goes wrong or they don't or if they take a dip in recruiting or they don't if they miss out on that that one or two guys that they they normally don't lose because the urban was the closer. Yeah, and that's that's going to be really the telltale, the difference between getting that that difference maker, the four or five star versus the three star. Um, right. And, and also the out of state. I mean, if you're Ohio, Ohio in football player, the majority is your dream to play for Ohio State. So, you know, that, that pipeline won't be affected. To me, I think Urban's, uh, his legacy is going to be very simple. He is a win-at-all-cost coach, but dirty or not, I believe all coaches have some level of dirtiness in them, bending the rules to get players, telling the lies, everything else. And he's kind of like the Bill Lambert of college football. You love him if he's on your team. You loathe him if he's not. And that's from the side, too, which is quite ironic. Ohio State, because I live with Ohio State fan, and she hated him when he was with Florida when they were whooping on Ohio State and embraced him 100% all the way to the end when he was their coach. Of course. So, you know, so, I mean, the thing is, on the on the field, uh, the coaching, he did his thing. He held his own, uh, you know, a long legacy Bowling Green to Utah to Florida to Ohio State. Um, and you can't knock him. I mean, you know, granted, probably after he retires in some years, you're probably going to hear some stories that are going to taint his image even more. He, the stories, the things that have been rumored that that nobody has really proven or really talked about in general uh, in, de- in great detail. But, again, that happens with most great coaches. I mean, it's going to be a sacrifice of some end. You're going to get coaches – you know, they talk about what what is the thing, uh, Black Wednesday or whatever it was that they called. I saw a story on Facebook of one of my uh, former uh, a former football player from my high school talked about he played for uh, for him in BG uh, when they did the Black Wednesdays or whatever it was, and mm-hmm. uh, was kind of referencing those things and the fear that, that the incoming players had of that, and they didn't want to mess up because of that. So um, again. He, I think he's two to 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 Nick Saban's one uh, during the, this uh, the, the time frame they were coaching. Uh, unfortunate, you know, Michigan couldn't beat him, or didn't beat him. Uh, but I mean, I think he needs to stay away. Don't know if he will. That I think that's where he is with that. And that was my next question. Do you think he's done? Well, he, last time he said he was done, he was out, what, 18 months before he went to yep. Um, I think physically he had it, – it's a different you, – you really didn't notice it in Florida that he was going through the health struggles that he was with the headaches and the mm-hmm. brain. But in Ohio State, you can see it physically. He – it is affecting him. And I think um, when you are going through physical ailments, and operate at such a high level at your profession that you're at the top of your league, 
you can't turn it off and down and, and shift to a lower gear because you are you want the results and you know that in order to get the results you have to push it to the limit. And I think for his health, he probably needs to stay away. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of you know, a player that's been playing their whole life and not knowing what to do after it's over with. Right. So going in back into the booth and, and being an analyst, you know, is that going to be enough? You know, they're going to be – it's not going to stop colleges and pros from potentially calling on them. It's about will he answer their call. Uh, because the thing is, if you're doing it because you help, you really got to put your health first. That's, yeah, that's at the bottom line. And, and that's the one thing I saw some people. This has been the conversation. Oh, is he done? Is he gonna stay done? And I think he may get that itch a year or two from now. But the only way he comes out is for another premier program. And I mean. Unless something happens with a couple of teams, I don't see. Well, Michigan is already off the list because of him being at Ohio State. But with Notre Dame and maybe USC, those are the only two schools I can see him ending at. And somebody brought up Notre Dame. I was like, "What happens to Brian Kelly?" I'm like, "Is I don't see Kelly leaving." And right now, with them, uh, a national championship game and another playoff appearance. Unless he just falls off the map next year or within the next two years, Notre Dame's not going to fire him unless or unless there's a scandal that comes out. He's not going to lose that job. So the only position I can see really being uh, an attractive job is USC. And I, I really don't – I think they're setting it up now for King, Kingsbury to take that job once uh, – the, the head coach falters again. So it, it, it'll be interesting. I think despite what a lot of people are saying, he may be done because, as you said, the health is a totally different thing this time compared to what it was at Florida. And his wife, even after the Michigan game, you could tell, like, just the, the emotion that came from that game that they were like, okay, yeah, this has been – this is a – uh, a hard season in addition to all the stuff that we've dealt with that y'all knew about, we were dealing with this also. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, to me, I'm going to answer what you talked about, see him going. The only other place I can see him going, I can see him going to Notre Dame. That's if, if Brian if Kelly decides to take that jump to the NFL because uh, the NFL may be calling. You have teams that, based on his offensive prowess that he's been able to show, and other stops and type that he may fit as a protocol or the or the type prototype for a certain team, and I can see it because uh, him potentially going depending on this time frame. And yeah, I know throwing it out there, it's the Alabama because the thing, only thing is, is that now him going to him going to Alabama is to prove that he could do outdo uh, Saban, which <laughs> you know what I'm saying, second fiddle to where he has his what. Uh, he has three championships, right? Uh, Meyer? Who's, no, Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, two in Florida, one in Ohio State. Being able to go and follow uh, Saban and win championships, that's the only other place I can see him coaching. Of course, that's pipe dreams. Saban uh, can can do no wrong, won't leave Alabama without uh, three truckloads of money from somewhere else, and uh, Boost is hanging on his feet. Right. So, you know, it. I mean, again, it – 
it was a great career when you look at the numbers, you look at what he's done, uh, the, the you know, the off the field, the, the rumors, the snake oil, all that stuff. It looms uh, kind of large in the shadows, could come out even further once he's officially gone. But, you know, Urban Meyer's gone. I, I really expect him to pull out all the stops against uh, Washington in the uh, in the in the Rose Bowl. And, I mean, I, I watched some of that the the Apple Cup and even some of the Utah game. This isn't the this isn't the same Washington team that had a solid defense from like the past two or three years ago. Marcus Peters and some of the other guys, Vita Via. So I really expect. Ohio State to roll these boys and to send him off in style. Yeah, they 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 definitely uh, will do that. So let's make a a quick transition to you talk about sending somebody off in style. Um, when you're looking at the NBA, and you're looking at how it's becoming a superstar league. You had quite an interesting article that came out this week. Uh, talking about LeBron James and the makeup of his team. Uh, KD has some really strong statements to say (coughs) uh, regarding uh, the type of players that play with LeBron and why they play with LeBron and how they have to be way. Uh, Basically saying that you know, he it makes sense why certain guys wouldn't want to play under LeBron. Uh, and I'm going I'm to do a quick quote from uh, KD. He said, basically, it depends on what type of player, kind of player you are. If you're Kyle Cur- uh, Corver, then it makes sense because Kyle Corver in Atlanta was a bulk of the offense and he's not the number one option at all, not even close. So his talents benefit more from a guy who can pass and penetrate and get him open. He also mentioned... If you're a longer, younger player like Kawhi playing, uh, trying to pair with him, it doesn't make sense. Kawhi likes having the ball in his hands and dictating the tempo with his post-ups. It's how he plays the game. A lot of uh, young players are developing that skill. They don't need another guy. So did KD overstep the line or in, in today's NBA, is there no line when you're talking about players that your opponents, competitors, uh, what's going on? And then the second question how much truth is it to what KD said? Um, I don't think in, in today's social media uh, world with everybody harassing you and everybody kind of poking the bear as far as the media. And, and this is also something that was discussed in the article that you didn't touch on. LeBron being the media darling, having fans, having uh, groupies. It's it's one of those things. I think KD is that player that doesn't do well with not being the focus, and he 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 made himself look silly. He made himself look silly with the whole article. Now there was some truth, and you're right. Uh, LeBron does play need a certain type of player, and certain other players like the alpha. Certain alpha players wouldn't mesh well with him. And I think that's where we're starting to see oh, why certain the questions come up. Why don't players want to play with LeBron? It's not that players don't want to play with him. It's certain players that have a style of play that don't want to play with him. And, I mean, can you blame them? If you're going to – I mean, the NBA 
as much of a team sport it is, it's still a, it's still individually led. And you have a guy, you have stars like a Paul George who was rumored to go there, but kind of stayed, decided to stay in OKC. You have Kawhi, you have um, Kyrie. These guys are trying to make their mark. They're trying to create their own legacy. They're trying to set their own standard. And yes, it's it's cool to have those to play with somebody as great as LeBron. But I mean, think about it. Didn't Kobe have that same issue? Because when he was with Shaq, they they kind of bashed with each other. And, and yeah, Kobe ended up winning some title, winning titles without him. But it was still with guys that were. Uh, a Paul Gasol who was an all-star but wasn't that alpha player. He was okay with being second fiddle. You, that whole roster. Kobe didn't Kobe never had that guy besides Shaq that was like a dominating guy that wanted to be the man. Cause how many times do I mean and I think look at this is part of the issue that's what's happening with Boston right now. They have a bunch of guys that deep down inside they know they can be the man. You got Kyrie Irving, you got Jason Tatum, you got Jalen Brown, you got uh, Gordon Hayward, you got all these guys that want to be the man. And the ball is they, the Celtics are still trying to find their way. Who who do we give it to on the last shot? Who do we give it to to set up the last shot? Who do we give it to to to, to end this run? Who do we give it to to keep this run going? And, and it's hard. It's hard in the NBA. Like it's either it's it's a bad thing to have no stars, but then it's a bad thing to have too many stars. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think the the Celtics argument kind of, even though uh, you don't agree as much with KD's argument, is you know it. You have to have people that's willing to follow people. Everybody can't be a leader. Everybody's not built to be the A1 man. Everybody's not meant to be the CEO. You can still be a VP. You can be a COO. You can. You have to play your role. I think the biggest thing is understanding your role. Uh, I think KD is right in the aspect of he understands why certain players wouldn't want to play with him. Because if you're trying to establish your own, or if you think playing with, his, with LeBron will sacrifice your game because you've seen what other guys have done, i.e. Kevin Love having to change his his game, i.e. Chris Bosh having to change his game, um, and you're not willing to, for whatever reason, whether it's for you're not at your superstar level or you haven't made that max contract or whatever reason, or you just think oh, don't think of the match with him, as great of a player as he is, then, yeah, you don't fit that mold. It's like having too many leaders and not enough followers. It's not going to be a recipe for success and Boston right now is the poster child for that because they almost need to trade away some of the options that they had because guys stepped up in the gap last year and made them a successful team without two of their star players and now they're searching for their identity which leads you to believe that if they didn't have injuries last year they wouldn't have been as successful as they were yeah because they uh, that they will probably maybe be hitting that stride now because basically now they're basically doing a time warp back to last year, playing a full season with each other, seeing how this, how this thing really works. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's all the aspect of, of 
as a star, am I willing to sacrifice for the greater good, which is the championship? You have some players that care absolutely nothing about championships. They want to be the star. They can be individual. Uh, it's a team game. If we win, we win. But they're not a win-at-all-cost type guy. I'm trying to get mine. We've seen that time in and time out. I just yeah. that KD's statements are viewed negatively because he's known to put his foot in his mouth, his ugly feet in his mouth. <laughs> right. Um, And so people kind of cast it off from the side. But say if this was in retirement, Chris Bosh saying the same thing, it would be received much differently because Chris Bosh went through it. He won championships in that manner with, with the player. And yes, as a player who has been the man for for however long you were, because you had to be the man to make it to to the NBA, taking that that conscious step to uh, downgrade your game, change your game to fit in the system where the the world doesn't revolve around you, is a huge step to take. And yeah, doing LeBron needs to be careful, and I think this. I, I wonder how Le- LeBron processes it, but I think he needs to be careful that he doesn't try to build this super team because no matter how good things are, um, players are, when they come and play for you, everything, they can't bring everything that they brought before to the table. Right. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, you look at, and even though he didn't get a fair shot, a long enough shot, you look at Melo and, and his Melo brings a certain type of game. Houston's job to figure out how they how they make that fit with them. You can't just accept this guy for his offense and then try to knock him for his defense when that's been his his career. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is that when you want to build these super teams, you have to build them to strengthen your weaknesses, not just having a whole bunch of strengths. Right. That doesn't necessarily allow you to be the winner at the end of the day. And, and that's the hardest thing to kind of determine from a distance. Is this guy, I mean, I guess you can have that conversation with them, and that's what the, where it's this whole buddy-buddy NBA makes it easier to figure out. But is this guy going to be willing to sacrifice who he is? Is he willing to take the, the Kevin Love role? Is he willing to take the Chris Bosch role to win. And it's not even just with LeBron. I mean, LeBron is the easy target, but think about it. We had these same questions with Westbrook. Uh, We just were surprised that Paul George stayed. And and we're seeing now that it's starting to work, but there was some, some growing pains with that. Any team that has these, these true superstars it's like, okay, are we going to – is it going to work? And, and the issue with KD is we never saw that. We didn't see a matter of whether superstars want to play with KD. He went and played with – it was homegrown with uh, Oklahoma City, and then he took his talents to join another team. Now, he was able to kind of mesh in with it, and it worked out, but we don't know if – like say he he would have stayed in Golden, I mean OKC, and Westbrook leaves. 
are are superstars flocking to OKC to play with KD? We don't know that. Right, and I don't think he'll, he'll ever be in that situation unless he leaves and goes to a team that's a up-and-coming team because I think KD, as good as he is, I don't think he views himself as the star of that team, the leader. Of he's not team. an alpha dog. He's not. He's, right. Yeah, but I don't think he, I don't think he, he has no, I mean, to be. And I guess when I say alpha dog in that situation, I mean to the point where he wants to be the focal point. He's okay being... A, a Robin. He doesn't have to be Batman everywhere he goes. He And that's why he went to Golden State. It was easy for him to settle in and be a Robin to Curry's Batman. In addition to having some super friends. Right, but the thing is, he's the, the most souped up Robin in the history of yeah. Robins. Because he's a t- player. So the thing is, is that him going to Golden State's State allows him or allowed him to be able to still play his game and not have the pressure to bear all the other things that come with being the leader of the team, um, which may speak volumes to wherever he goes next if he leaves Golden State. Um, uh, him going somewhere <coughs> where not necessarily players as good as him, but if you have a core that's together, where and I'll use an example. Uh, just because it's evidently clear, like in, in Philly, that Embiid is the leader of that mm-hmm. team. He doesn't have to answer those questions. He doesn't get the brunt of all of that, so it doesn't affect his game as much. You know, because he was getting criticized much heavier uh, in uh, OKC than he is in Golden mm-hmm. State. You know? So the thing is that if you know how you function, and if I can avoid the limelight and avoid the, uh, avoid those pressures, I'm going to do that. And I can still be a top five player, still be arguably one the best player in the league, and still win championships. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah. I mean, to me, because at the end of the day, the alpha dog, it, it ain't too many alpha dogs in there. It's guys that think they're alpha dog and want to be alpha dogs, but true alpha dogs, you you that that's a, that's a that's a hard road to take because it's, it's a solo road. You not liked. You you know what I'm saying you ridiculed everything you do. That's LeBron. Even though LeBron at times is not, people don't view him as having that killer instinct. Killer instinct has nothing to do with the alpha dog, and people want to combine the two because, uh, because Kobe, is, in my in my opinion, was the last. Killer Instinct guy that was at that caliber. So people want to compare, of course, split hairs where LeBron is not Kobe. Yeah, he's not. They're different type of players. But that being that Killer Instinct and being an alpha dog are two separate things, which you can be both at the same time, but you can still be successful one without the other. Right. But, I, I mean, to me, I just think, if, yeah, again, if, if it was somebody else who said it, like, it, say if it was Kevin Love, who's a current player who played with LeBron, totally different, taken a totally different way. Hell, if Kevin Love said it, it may be taken in a negative connotation. It even brought racial lines into that just because that's just the, the status of, of how we are, that, that he would be viewed as hating because LeBron left. But I think it just takes a special type of uh, mindset to be able to play 
in that in that environment knowing what you're getting into. But some guys don't recognize and realize it. And you'll see it as the evolution of this Lakers roster. So what guys are willing to sacrifice to come there, what guys are willing to change their game, and what how many guys the team feels that they're not, and they get rid of them. Because there's rumors going around now about a trade for Anthony Davis. Now that trade that they that they offering, I don't see I don't see New Orleans taking yeah. that trade right now. Uh, but you know that's the thing. But of course, there's people trying to make make super uh, video game change, uh, which is not necessarily uh, the best thing. Speaking of this, this will be my last thing. So I I think it was Black Friday. I had to go to the store. I ended up getting two uh, K for I think it was twenty bucks. 25 bucks. So I got it. Played the game. I'm I rarely play the game. I played my my mm-hmm. career. So I didn't know how it was gonna be this year. Thought I created my guy, a six eight shooting guard that's a three point shooter and a slasher. Blah 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 blah. Start off playing in China, boom boom, go have a get signed, going to LA and it was like, L.A.? I'm like, dude, why am I going to the Lakers? I was pissed. I'm like, dude, I do not want to play. Look, this is me. <laughs> this is what we- <laughs> I do not want to play with LeBron, given my position to shooting guard, because I'm not going to get any minutes uh, based on how this, and I'm going to have to learn how to play with LeBron. But uh, fortunately for me, I played in the mm-hmm. I know. I played it. I haven't pl- I ain't played it, so I actually was playing playing it just now and that whole process I mean not just now but before the show so it was just interesting like oh dude I'm going to LA oh, dude. I, I was, my next thought was how do I how do I request the trade that, that was my old thing like oh but you can't request the trade you ain't even in the league yet so that that was just ironic like dude the, and, and my skills are nowhere near now if we were talking about some, some college football or Madden when I was playing Madden yeah, I can play with anybody in any team, but this 2K dude, I really can't figure all it. It's like I got to do do study and research and read the handbook and watch some videos and just do simple stuff on there. So that's why I just become a distributor. But that's neither here nor there. That's just my little. I'm almost about to give up my gaming system story, pretty much. Nah, because I don't. I, I don't play it better because I promise you, my guy. Every time, and granted, of course, he's a made-up guy, so I'm pretty sure that the, the real NBA teams can do a little bit more. But it was just ironic that I was like, "Dude, the first dot, no, I do not want to play with LeBron." <laughs> like I literally was. Just- no, but don't feel uh, bad because I was at the same position when I saw LA. I'm like Lakers because I created. I'm a point guard, six-four point guard. Same situation, slash or three point shooter. I'm like, I'm not gonna get the ball enough to score enough to get my 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 V points up to take care of to improve my player. So I'm like, LeBron is gonna dominate the ball. Plus I got Rondo. Plus I got uh, Lonzo Ball. I'm screwed. And then it's like, oh, you see the 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 G League, and oh, it gets it's, it gets more interesting. Even after that, so just wait. <laughs> right. So, last segment, 
we're going to jump into the NFL for a second, hit some hot topics. The first one, the team, the only NFL team that's owned by the fans, Green Bay Packers. The rumors have been swirling around for a couple of years that McCarthy would not be the coach next year after a surprising loss to the Arizona Cardinals by three point of field goal missed in in, in the late uh, last seconds of the game. Mike McCarthy was fired. Is this the kiss of death for Aaron Rodgers? Or is he going to be able to parlay an opportunity to get back to what's been eluding him for a decade, which is the Super Bowl? I mean, this should help because everybody that has been following the Packers for the last couple of years looked at McCarthy as the issue. Um, I, I don't remember the exact stat, but um, they they talked about the Packers had 50 run plays over two or three games, whereas I think Rodgers may have passed the ball 50 times in one game, and they were talking about how imbalanced the offense has, been, has become. And it, it isn't for a lack of talent at the running back position because Jones has played Aaron Jones has played well recently. They just don't give him the ball. So maybe and and I guess it all depends on who who they name as the replacement because we've all already heard certain names regurgitated, thrown out there and admitted that there's no substance. They're just oh trying to throw names up there and see if anything sticks i.e. Jim Harbaugh, it's like if they get the right coach, then yeah. Because my question to you is, is this a a, a job for an established coach or a, 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 a young innovative coach? Who may... Well, I that Aaron Rodgers over this past three years has... Uh, made this coaching position so having to be having to be somebody who can have some level of control over him only if they have his respect. And I think he will only respect someone who has been where he's trying to get back to, which puts him in the retread pile. And how is that going to work out for him? Because he, he he's proven himself to be a prima donna. Now, and I want to say this, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen play, but I do, I will say this, that Aaron Rodgers gets the benefit of the doubt over any quarterback in the NFL, because if Brady had gone this long without getting Super Bowls, if Big Ben had gone this long getting over Super Bowls, they would have been trash to hell. And the thing is, is that it's because Aaron Rodgers has his Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers-isms with the Hail Marys and extending the plays and doing things. And uh, uh, what, was it, what was his infamous line that he said? Just relax. Um, if he hadn't gone through that uh, and done those, he wouldn't be able to hold himself to the standard that he kind of established. But if you look at Aaron Rodgers, 
he's been real mortal like these last three, four years. Green Bay has done I mean, if you look at their turnover on defense, and granted, that's not his side of the ball, but that's the team. They turn it over trying to do so much with their defense, and they're still horrible. At yeah. And, and the thing is, is that Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to make this comparison. People are going to say I'm crazy, but Aaron Rodgers, uh, Green Bay, has been what uh, uh, Matthew Stafford has been for the Lions and has tried to e- erase the defensive deficiencies of their team and has had fourth quarter comebacks, Hail Marys, all these great passing yards because the defense has put them in such a great hole. And it's been the same equivalent. Now, Matt Stafford this year, I don't know if it's an anomaly. I don't know if he's checked it in and just counting his, 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 his chips. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get into that. But I think what Aaron Rodgers has been the equivalent of kind of painting over the sores that the team has. Granted, they got a new GM, everything else. I don't know if Aaron Rod- what say so Aaron Rodgers had. You know, you have a new president. The president said that he's going to make the hire for the coach and not the GM. I don't know the dynamic that they have because they don't have an owner. They have owner, the, they have the the stock, the shareholders, which uh, seems kind of crazy because want to say that they have to vote on who the coach is going to be if they're the only if they're stock, uh, the shareholders I'm not sure how that goes with this right. uh, situation but it puts them in the air of how much say so he have does he have the LeBron like say so where people say LeBron is a GM and has a, everything has to be clear with him when he was in Cleveland of who was coming and who was going and all those other things because if so it's going to be disastrous for him. But I don't think he, it's they, like that because how much say did he have when they fired his quarterback coach that he wanted? How much say did they did he have when they let his, his security blanket and Jordy Nelson go? And, I think, and, and we saw his reaction after the fact that he was disappointed, that he was upset. So is this a situation where he's even getting that, that level of involvement to say, oh, no, keep this guy, fire this guy, or whatever he needs to say, because it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, this is your franchise, but unlike with LeBron, he doesn't have the pull. He doesn't have that <coughs> influence to override the fact that, oh, you just let this guy go, or maybe I want to a veteran coach that has experience of blah, blah, this, or blah, blah, that. And the president, the team president may say, hey, we want a, uh, we want our version of Sean McVay. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because he's been vocal with his displeasure with the organization. Uh, and you, you see it that you had an assistant coach that was vocal and critical of Aaron Rodgers get released because of yeah. it. So, you know, to me, it seems like as is we're moving forward, he has more and more control and more say-so, and I think that's dangerous. I think this is – you've had certain situations where I'm sure that Brady was involved in conversations of, hey, Brady, this is what we're going to do. What are your thoughts? I don't know if he had the yay or nay. I'm pretty sure he didn't. I was rather checking having the, the, all the control he has. But 
this is dangerous and uncharted territories in the NFL of a quarterback having to say so because if they allow this and he does this, it could be disastrous for this franchise going forward because there's no heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. Right. Aaron not playing out his contract. There's no way. He's been injured three out of the last four seasons. And you're talking about the last two seasons he didn't even end on his own. This season he really should sit out, but his ego and pride won't let him. He may end up being hurt again. So the thing is, he's not the Aaron Rodgers. He's on the decline of his career. So it would be wise for him to make sure he makes the best decision for himself. I mean, for the, to let the team make the best decision and just work within that. He needs an offense that's going to allow him to be able to not have to do so much. Do the, only break this in case of emergency. I still <laughs> still have, have quality tight ends uh, and wide receivers to be able to do something instead of having to be Superman because he won't last. But long. is he going to allow that? Because, I mean, you can have – and when you look at the talent around, they, they've they tried to put that in place offensively. Now, we, we you just said the defense still has its issues and it's probably going to have some more issues as they decide what they're going to do with, with Matthews and some, uh, some players that are getting older. But they've tried to turn over that running back. They tried to bring in a guy. They brought in Eddie Lacy. They brought in some of these – more veteran running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and he still has that that gunslinger mentality of I got to do this myself because I don't trust anybody else. So is he ever going to relinquish that control offensively to be able to say, oh, we trust Aaron Jones to run the ball 20 times to take the pressure off of you, uh, Rodgers. So in the fourth quarter, if you need to be hero, you can still be hero. Yeah, I, I think that's the only way they're gonna get back to where he wants to be in the Super Bowl is to follow that lead and say that my way can't be the highway because what has it got last ten years? Not what you wanted. You got an overrated team or a team that that does not fulfill its destiny. That, that's what it's gotten you. You can't blame that all on McCartney. I mean, he's not making all the moves. Yeah, but we know at the end of the day, it's easier to get rid of the coach than it is, the, especially the quarterback, as far as getting rid of the player. So he was growing into a position where folks were getting tired of, okay, yeah, we were 10-6, and 9-7, we underachieved. We lost to the Cardinals. We lost to this team that we know we ain't had no business losing to in the playoffs. And the last two or three years, he just couldn't He couldn't save himself. There was nothing that he could do to salvage his job. And it's like, we at the end of the road. So now we get to see, was it just Aaron? I mean, was it just McCarthy? And I think that's the thing with any time that you replace the coach, but you keep certain key pieces like the quarterback or even the 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 the, the offensive system, because I mean the Lions are dealing with that right now with those that felt, oh, see, this is what happens when you get rid of uh, Caldwell. Well, Caldwell had a bunch of his own warts. It's just now 
the the deficiencies in a lot of places are being exposed. And I, I got into a heated uh, discussion with someone who had the nerve to tell me with Caldwell the Lions would be seven and four right now, and, and I had to laugh at him to a point because I, I still had to respect him because he was my daddy. Um, but uh, I don't see that. But you have some people that believe that, and it, it's hard. But sometimes you have to take these chances. Do they always work out? No. And this is a pivotal position. I mean, and even going back to our early conversation with Ohio State, I mean, Green Bay and Ohio State are the equivalents of teams that have been up there. They've set, they've set the standard in the divisions and their conferences for the last 10 years. Now, what happens if they, if they, if Ryan Day isn't the answer? What happens if the guy that Green Bay hires isn't the answer and they, they spiral down into a situation where they're chasing coaches now, even beyond Aaron Rodgers. Because that's the thing. It's like, okay, you, you hired the wrong coach, and now you lose Aaron Rodgers. You can become the basement of the division very quickly, especially now with the Bears seemingly turning it around, the Vikings getting to where they are, and you have to hope that the Lions kind of become a little bit more competitive the Packers could be going from worst to first within the next with within the next. I mean, from first to worst within the next two or three years. Yeah, it's it's definitely key for them to make this right decision because again, that window of opportunity for them, uh, the player that uh, Rodgers is, he won't be playing until Tom Brady uh, type years. So that window is closing. And- at your heir apparent. So what are you going to do? Make You know, that right, this next decision is going to be best. Now, I will say this, jumping back on the line thing real quick. I do believe that they will have more wins, only because they played a different type of style, and they basically were able to air it out. And they were able to do more with less because they had no running game. But they're trying to establish, apparently trying to establish having a ba- more balanced offense which is going to take time to kind of play itself off offensively. So I'll just say that under Caldwell, playing Caldwell style, because they became pass happy at the time when they couldn't run, they probably will have one or two more wins. Doesn't mean that I don't think they'll be seven and four. I think they will fall, be 79 at the end, maybe eight and eight, but not seven to four. Right. Now. Not against, not how uh, uh, Minnesota and how uh, Chicago is playing. Um, so, uh, won't give him 74, but I will give him one, a plus one or a plus two as far as wins. And I, I, I can so, see that because I can see the, the Jets win and, and maybe one more, but then do you think they beat New England and Carolina? <laughs> I, I, I think they, I actually think if, well, see, I can't pick and choose how they play the game, but I think that they could have beat if the weight, and again, I didn't watch, but I look at the stats, how the defense played in the game against the Rams. But again, if you were passing, you may have given the Rams more possession. But the way that the defense played against the, the Rams and how they offense was, that could have been a shootout that they could could yeah. have won with it being a home. Um, so that that could be that. Yeah, well, I'll give you that. So here's the thing. Are we about to jump? 
deeper in with, with the with the with the political, the 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 black eye of the NFL, which we could talk for days. I mean, we can close the show with that. I mean, it's the NFL is going NFL, and obviously, right now, it's looking pretty bad for two teams. Well, actually, three teams now. If you want to add in Kansas City, with this whole domestic mm-hmm. violence and how the NFL continues to just mishandle, 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 and, and try to put shit on top of dirt and expect us to accept it. And I think this is why I, I – and, and I've told you before, as far as with your decision, I respect your decision, but this is why a lot of people, like, look at the NFL, like, dude, you've always been corrupt. You've, all, you've always been shady when it comes to doing the right thing. And for those who just decided, oh, because of Kaepernick, who we're seeing still out of the league despite uh, Johnson, the, the former quarterback for the Bills, being signed by the Redskins despite not having played in three or four years, it's like we know what the deal is. And, and if you if you say any otherwise, you're lying to yourself and you're delusional, but this is the league. And, and the league is going to continue to lie to us the league is going to continue to mislead us and act like they care about certain topics like domestic violence. But when you have a situation in the case of Kareem Hunt where the Chiefs and NFL knew about this since February, almost a year, and the only reason why they're acting is because of the video, shame on you, NFL. We have a situation with uh, Reuben Foster. His girlfriend said he beat her up. He was charged. She recanted the story. Everything seemed to be okay. Now it's coming out. She lied about the recanting because she wanted to save him. Whether this is true or not, and, and I think even when I see this, it's like it's a hard decision to make. But knowing all this uncertainty, why the hell would the Washington football team sign him? And you had a guy that was well-respected in the league and Doug Williams come out and, and, and cape for this guy. You got to be looking stupid, Doug Williams, because whether it's true or not, this is bad publicity. And you, the Redskins should have never this cat. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, but that's the malfeasance that the NFL is guilty of. I mean, when at all costs, it's barbaric. We overlook everything. I mean, at the end of the day, um, how things are handled now are because of how things were mishandled in the past. In the past, it would be nothing. Hey, it's football. He's a football player, blah, 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 blah. But if you look at another sport, look at, and I think uh, Addison is his name, the, the infielder for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. He, was con- he was convicted of domestic abuse. He got suspended. He served his time. The GM came out with a statement. He came out with a statement 
he playing professional sports. It's because of how things mm-hmm. were handled. You tell me the NFL with all the security, former FBI folks that got security, nobody saw that tape until it was released by TMZ? That means you didn't want to right. see the tape. You didn't want to see somebody that was a budded superstar fall by, by a mistake that he made. That, that's on you. Right. So now throw out the baby with the bathwater because you didn't do things the way that you were supposed to and manage it. You have to manage it properly. And the NFL is is constantly dropping the ball and fumbling and getting flags on the play because of how they have mishandled it. And the thing is, is the expectation now is that they will mishandle these type of situations over and over. When you have teams Signing guys that are like the uh, of Hardy and and uh, Ruben and all these guys that have had these things documented things of what's going on because of what the guy can do. Now, granted, I am not a proponent of you get one strike and you're done. I am a full advocate of second chances, but that comes with its limits and it also comes with stipulations. The 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 NFL has not made it very clear of what those are. This old uh, broad brush uh, commissioner's exempt list is a crock of bull. Because at the end of the day, this guy's on the commissioner. <coughs> basically, mean, Kansas City dropped him. Nobody else can touch him. While we do the investigation, we should have did before. Right. How come they not held accountable to do the investigation in, in February and say these are the conclusions of our investigation. Why? Because they didn't even do a full investigation. They didn't even talk to the lady that that uh, was part of the incident. So that's the thing is that there it's kind of like okay, yeah, I'm gonna handle it, and then okay, I'm not gonna have to deal with it unless you bring it back up. I'm just gonna tell you I'm handling. So it, it, the thing is, it, it's so frustrating to see the largest or at least the, the most money-producing sports industry or sports league in the country really just take no precautions into protecting the human capital that supports their league. And that's players, fans, and, and, uh, and, and, and everybody else. It's just disheartening, and that's why – you know, things like this, like this was not the original intention of me not watching the NFL. And yes, I was like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and watch it and blah, blah, blah. But these are the things that make it easier <laughs> not to watch. Like it, like the urge to watch like my Sundays and Thursdays and whatever, whatever, whatever other day had just been fully occupied with NFL. Well, now I really don't miss it. Like I check in on what the Lions have done by looking at the at at, uh, at the box scores and things of that nature. But it's easier to detach from that because personally, it's far it's becoming further and further from my values. Uh, and granted, I can't if I expect sports to meet my personal values and morals, then I'm sadly mistaken. But when it's such a gross negligence and even the attempt or the perception of the attempt to do so, then that's why it's easier for me to just 
not support in the way that I can. And granted, me not supporting is not any other mission except for myself. Yeah. And, and and I'm cool with that. But it's just because you do things like this and you get paid millions and the league is worth billions and you really see what matters is the money. Because anything that affects the, the output is going to be kind of overlooked. Okay, well, we can still win. Had this guy in here, we do this little thing and he's back in two weeks and, and we good. We good. Because the same thing, if you go back and look at Ezekiel Elliott, that type of thing, situation, how did they deal with that? It was a back and forth. He kind of backed off, like, are we going to deal with it? It went away. Not necessarily he wasn't convicted, but it sure was real close to that situation that they had to, they felt they had to do something when they could have done things originally. And you have to create a system and that, that that allows you to be able to do this fair and just to all parties, innocent until proven guilty, and let it be equitable. But it's difficult when you don't care. And that's what, it to me, it just appears that, that, that the NFL doesn't care. It's, it, so, it's so inconsistent, and I think that's where the frustration comes in. Because, like you said earlier, if we can run these, te- if you guys can run this, these background checks, these investigative reports for rookies, and can find out, oh, your mom used to work here or did this. What's this about? Then you could have got that tape, or you can dig a little deeper to find out what's going on in this situation because they're signs. But because Ruben Foster was a high-profile, second-year player that was showing promise. Oh, yeah, we don't want to do that. Or Kareem Hunt was one of the lead, the lead, led the league in rushing last year. Unlike Ray Rice, eh, we can, hopefully this doesn't come out. Hopefully we can cover this up. Knowing it's going to come out. This In this day and age, nothing stays hidden when it comes to stuff like this. So you should you should know better by not NFL. You should know if something happens, it's going to come out, whether it's in the person involved in the situation or somebody close to them leaking it. It's going to come out. So you might as well face it when it happens. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of it. You, the the PR move that the NFL needs to do. Needs to, they, I mean, they they need to have a, a call it whatever you want, a commissioner's board or something that kind of works on. And I'm not even gonna say massaging their their policies and procedures, but kind of be transparent and bring people in that are non-football people to let them know how these things affect them because they swear about protecting the shield. But they're protecting the shield to the point that they're creating other areas of deficiencies or lack of, of support uh, of defense of the shield. Um, and it's like I said, it's just becoming really frustrating in a lot of different areas. Uh, and it's just like uh, almost right now, the NFL is like the Andrew Dice Clay of professional sports. Like hell, I'm not just going to fend one people; I'm just going to fend them all. I got I got something to say back. I mean, that's kind of kind of how it is. And for you young folks, just 
Google Andrew Dice or, or, or YouTube him, and you'll find exactly all you all you gotta do is watch one video, and you find exactly what I'm talking about. Right. So, so I mean, the NFL has a long way to go to catch up to the thought process, the mind, the mindset of the country today. Um, it's not the sixties. It's not the fifties. Um, you got to do better. And I'm just, I'm just going to leave it like that. You have to do better in managing and in, in the feedback and every aspect, just accountability to not just your pockets, but to your constituents, your players, and your fans. Because the NFL would not be worth billions if you didn't have fans watching. Right. And you do have a set of fans that do not care. Not one bit. Because all of the things that are going on that people view offensive, they don't view offensive. And that's just the status of the, status of the nation that we live in. But that's not everybody. And you can't operate in that bubble. Regardless of whatever the beliefs of you or your ownership, you can't operate like that. So my soapbox is done. I'm thrown it in the street. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like I said, it's frustrating. I just want the NFL to do better. I want to, at some point in time, feel that I can watch the NFL without feeling conflicted within myself of supporting something, an entity that doesn't support some of my beliefs. Because some, some of my beliefs, I don't expect them to because it doesn't relate to that thing. But they're just getting further and further from my belief system of just how things should work. And I'm not trying to tell you how to do it, nor am I trying to volunteer for what I created as the commissioner's board or the, whatever it is. But I just think something that needs to be done, something more, uh, and involve more people other than people that are just NFL minds. Makes sense. But hey, that's just me. And that was Deep Thoughts by Jack Hanson. Again, another <laughs> reference, Youngsters, that's an old SNL bit. Check it out. Um, but, man, with that, man, we closing our episode four. Uh, getting closer to Christmas. Within the next two the, the next two episodes, we will do our Christmas wish list and talk about some of the things. But, man, this has been a great episode. Uh, make sure you check us out. Follow us on all the platforms, Facebook group, Sports Q&A, on Twitter, and Instagram, sports underscore QA. Also on Twitter, sports underscore QA underscore preps. Um, and the website, www.sportsqanda.com. And you can check us out. Follow follow the podcast on iTunes, on Anchor, on Spotify, on radio.com. Uh, just subscribe. Give us feedback. Email us. That's right. I said email us. Sports underscore QA at yahoo.com. Reach out to us. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, but we want your feedback. Share the link. Share the link. Share the link. We want input. 
So you will be able to see uh, we will on Instagram and on Facebook send out the link to the podcast once we do all the editing and good stuff. But and make sure that y'all check it out. Be the voice of the two fan like we know you are. We want the feedback. And that's it, man. Pretty much. Episode four. We out of here, folks. Peace. Peace.